Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. When they get a lead, it's like they're like, let me get mine. Like, it doesn't go to Anthony or Cat. Like, everybody has the green light. And, and Ken and Shaq will tell you, everybody on a team can't have the green light. That, it, it doesn't work like that. You, you're not going to be successful. Like, some guys, you have to know your role and what you're good at. When I watch Minnesota play, man, they got a tremendous amount of talent. But you like, and I say the halftime, I said, they're always going to let you back in the game between bad shots and turnovers. And it came back to bite them again. <laughs> I mean, he's, he kind of said the same thing that was Charles Barkley, obviously, on Inside the NBA after the Game 3 debacle. But when you think back and reflect on that game, and we did a full event line, you can find the fan reaction, everything on the Mackie and Judd podcast feed and Scornoth YouTube channel. But there was a portion of the game where Torian Prince is getting his, right? Okay, it's my turn to shoot four times in a row. And then Pat Bev. And there, not that there's not a hierarchy because, like, Cat is getting the most opportunities, but it wasn't D'Lo's turn at the end of the game. He's had a terrible series, a terrible game. It's not, it's not your turn to take the game-winning shot in that situation. Why are you taking the shot, right? So there. There needs to be more of a hierarchy in certain situations. I think Barkley nailed it 100%. I just love how Barkley thinks they're the stupidest team on the face of the earth, and he just keeps saying it in different ways. Prove him wrong. No, I know, know? but it's just it's hilarious because he's always like they're going to – basically his premise of every important Wolves game is, don't worry, they'll screw this up. Yeah, well, he's mostly right. I know. It's amazing. They have – I know. we're, We're five games into the series. They've won two games outright. They've had a 26-point lead and then an 11-point lead to start the fourth quarter in two of the other games. And they're losing the series going back home to game six. It's yeah, it's incredible. But I'm going to tell you right now what, what we talked about on Wolves' vent line last night remains true, which is I am so screwed up in the mind sports-wise that last night, which should infuriate me, doesn't because game three was so bad. Like, that's how – like, I need – I feel like I'm sports dad and a doctor of sports, but I need my own therapist to yeah. talk this out with. Like, how can I not be more upset? And I legitimately, I mean, it's not an act. I'm not. It's like you're, uh, I'm trying to think of a comparison here. It's like you you got grazed by a car or something on the on the sidewalk. Like, Dude, you got hit by a car. And you're like, oh, you should have seen what happened to me last week. I got hit by a bus and fell off yes. a skyscraper or something. You know, yeah, you're like desensitized yes. to what happened last night. I'm worried about myself right now. <laughs> I'm sports worried. You've lost your ability to feel. <laughs> I mean, I, but, but I mean, they blew, they blew a lead in a key road game in which they should have won, and I can't get worked up. What's wrong with me? Well, let's let's maybe see if we can get you worked up here. Let's All dish right. out some blame. Now on Mackie and Judd. This chart makes it as clear as I can to you. The pie chart of blame. You want to blame somebody? The Rock knows how you feel about pie. I have for you guys a pie chart of blame for a Timberwolves loss in Memphis last night. All right. We also have on Mackie and Judd today, write that down predictions and an accountability session. And between those two things, I'd like to tell you a story about how I, it's top three most scared I've ever been in my life this morning. Judd has not heard the story. Declan saw my wife post about on social. I want to get your guys' thoughts on that. But let's Mm -hmm. start with the pie chart here. Four slices of pie. We'll start with the smallest slice. And I I hate doing this because I love this guy so much. 
he hits such a big shot to tie the game, but Anthony Edwards gets 10% of the blame for attempting to go for a steal on John Morant's game-winning layup. And he even said in the post-game press conference, I was it wasn't a reactionary thing. I was thinking about getting the steal before the inbound. So he was planning on trying to jump the pass. And if he stays in front of Ja in that moment, Ja, you know, there's three and a half seconds left. Ja gets the ball outside the three-point line. If he stays in front of Ja, Ja does not just blow right by him. He probably dribbles for a couple seconds and then pulls up for a contested long two-point jumper or something and probably clanks it and they go to overtime. So I got a question about that. Um, How So if that was his plan coming into the possession, one... Did the coaches sign off on that plan, which I have trouble believing? No, he didn't. Tell, and, he just didn't say anything. And if right, but I mean, to me, that's a major problem. Like yeah. the game's tied, so if they're down, totally get it. You know, you're trying to do something, basically a desperation play. Mm-hmm. But this was not this was not desperation time. It was time to be smart. So, I guess what I don't understand is the breakdown just in the entire system of him deciding that he was going to freestyle it at that point when I think every basketball person would have told him, dude, this ain't the time to do that, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, he went rogue because if he would have said in the huddle, I, I don't think Finch was telling him, dude, right. go, pick, go pick his pocket. No, you stay in front of him, force a jump shot. I know, he, I know Ja hit a big three to put the Grizzlies in front, you know, a minute earlier, but he's not a good shooter. And if you can get a hand now, the three that he hit to put him in front was a wide open, uncontested three. If you can put a hand in his face, I will take my chances all day, as opposed to a wide open freight train drive down the lane. And even if he decided to not lay it in, there was a backdoor cutter and one defender. I think I think it was Jared Vanderbilt. There was it was a two on one to win the game. Mm-hmm. So credit to Ant for it was a weird game for Ant because he hit the heroic three to tie it. He wound up with 22 points, but he only had one rebound, no assists, no steals, no blocks. He's 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 been filling the box score in this series. And last night he was just it was just kind of a different. He was in foul trouble last night too, so 10 percent for that mental lapse defensively, 25 percent to D'Angelo Russell. Awful shot selection in the fourth quarter. He decided I'm going to take the game winning shot here with. 20 or 15 seconds left, even though he's shooting 32% for the series, and he has scored 12 points or fewer in four of the five games. This is not the time to force. Like, dude, you are you are a non-factor offensively right now. Have some self-aware. It doesn't mean that you're not going to bounce back at some point, because he usually does. But right now, it's not your time to take a contested fadeaway shot at the buzzer. It is your job to facilitate the offense, the ball movement, and if the ball comes back around to you, swinging it around and you're wide open, dial it up. But to force a shot with no ball movement in that situation, and just this is kind of a like a series achievement slice of pie for D'Angelo Russell, culminating with that ridiculous brick that he put up, 25% to D'Lo. What's most disappointing about this, I think, is the, the fact that in the play-in game against the Clippers, he was so good. And I think we thought, okay, pr- pressure was on. Cat was terrible. Like, this is it. This is yeah. D'Lo. This is going to be D'Lo. And for the most part, largely this series, he, he's been a complete bust. It's been disappointing. Um, he hasn't stepped up. And so I think he sort of teased us with, with the Clippers game as far as, oh, okay, bright lights were on and you played really well to what the hell happened. And, yeah, yeah. I, I, again – I think we're back to where we, we were at some point during the season now, which is really questioning whether this team is best going forward with him. Like, I feel like we got past that hump. He played well, and and we're like, okay, now we get it. And now we're going back to, but when it's the most important, he really has, if not no-showed, let you down. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save those discussions for after the series, because I I emptied the chamber with my Carl Anthony Towns takes after game three. Almost all of the takes that I threw out there, I stand by. I also stand by entertaining trades for anyone not named Anthony Edwards. He's the nucleus and the core of this team. So um, I'm not, listen, I want this team to get better. It's not about one individual player. But Ant, I think, is the centerpiece for this thing long term. And I don't know. I don't know if you. I don't know how much further. If you get beat by Memphis, let's say in six games, I, I just don't know. 
Because you're going to have to commit to big, big money, D'Lo and Cat extensions. D'Lo's a free agent after yeah. next season. Yeah. So you got to figure out, all right, do you want those guys combining to make you know, almost $70 million? Is that the best way to put talent around Anthony Edwards long-term? I'm not saying get rid of both. I'm just saying these are conversations that have to start this offseason. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. There's a game six. I think they're, if, if I had to pick right now, I think they're going to win at home in game six, and then we have a game seven in Memphis. We'll see. It'll be electric. It'll be fun. All right, 30% of the pie chart of blame goes to the Timberwolves giving Memphis extra chances. So this is just like team buffoonery here. The Wolves were out-rebounded on the offensive boards 18-6 to last night. Brandon Clark had more offensive rebounds in the fourth quarter than the Wolves had in the entire game. Yes. Turnovers, Wolves 22, Grizzlies 16. And so if you take the turnover gap and the offensive rebounding gap, that's 18 extra possessions for Memphis in that game. Just getting the ball back or getting an extra shot attempt or whatever it may be. Was there any point in the fourth quarter when it came to that statistic where you recall now that the Timberwolves got a keyboard? Like a, a, It felt like at every juncture in the yeah. final quarter that Memphis got every single one of them. Yeah, and, and Clark had the, t- had the controlled tap out to John Morant, wide open top of the key three to put the Grizzlies in front for the first time. The rebounding, I get it. It's... It, Memphis is the best rebounding team in the NBA, and they're the best offensive rebounding team. So there's going to be some games here where you get smoked on the boards a little bit. It's, I'm not saying it's acceptable because it's, it should be a focus point, but I, I get it. You're at, a, you're at a rebounding disadvantage against Memphis. The turnovers and the offensive fouls are the thing that are the most preventable. These, these situations where they're just dribbling the ball off a leg or making a dumb pass or not slowing down or barreling into a defender, you know. That's the cat playbook, man. Well, hell, cat had the he picked up what looked like his fourth foul on that offensive foul. I, I thought it was a charge. I know the defender was moving, but he deliberately lowered his shoulder into him, and they reversed it, and he stayed in the game. But man, I think that smarter. was a. I think that that might might have been a a national TV. We really would like to keep this guy in the game as long as possible. Call. Well, why? But they haven't done that ever before with him. This yeah. is, that would be the first time that they've made that conscious uh, decision hey, with Carl Anthony Towns. Hey, things change. Things change. Exactly right. Well, let's get to the let's get to the shh here because this is my last slice of pie. Thirty five percent to fourth quarter incompetence, and Cat was mostly brilliant. But let's go through the list here. So the Timberwolves have now been outscored in the fourth quarter by forty four points in this series. Mm-hmm. Last night they were outscored by nine, I believe, in the fourth quarter. Well, mm-hmm. no, more than that, thirteen, because they were up by eleven. Um, the offense turns into hero ball instead of moving the ball around and getting open looks, which is the reason why they were the number one scoring team in the NBA. Ball movement stops. Uh, the Wolves are now the first team in NBA history to blow two double-digit fourth-quarter leads in the same series. And and to me, I look like whose fault is this? Okay, well, Finch. We can get mad at Finch, but ultimately. Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, and I would put it more on the older, you know, older, the 26-year-old dudes than the 20-year-old guy. There's turbulence. You're flying this plane. It's up to you to fly the plane through turbulence and not just take wild shots and take shots early in the shot clock. And I think hushing the crowd, the Carl Anthony Towns hushing the crowd halfway through the fourth quarter with a 13-point lead, focus, dude, focus. You know, yep. a teammate had to come over and grab him and be like, dude, no, let's... And again, he was pretty damn good last night, so I'm not going to get on him too much, but it, like the hushing the crowd thing, I'm all for having fun, but let's have a little awareness here. You know, the, the, this game is not over by any means. You have you have done nothing in your career to warrant taunting that crowd. Just play, dude. Focus and play and grind and win. Yeah, and a Timberwolves player at this point in time should never be addressing that that crowd ever. Like you don't have, there's no street cred there. You have no credibility. Like yep, as just, a franchise, I agree. People laugh at you, like you are being laughed at. And so, but I think Phil, I think your last point there, last piece of pie, gets to a very interesting discussion of a question that's going to be uh, have to be asked when the Wolves playoffs are done, which is this: How much of this? How many players on this team, and this is going to sound like an incredibly stupid question, but it has to be asked, especially on this show, given our goals, have a championship DNA. 
Um, because I would say D'Lo does not. I think it's a big debatable on Cat. I think Ant very well could. But I'm talking about, guys, because here's the important thing to keep in mind about that stat. What you can't say is, well, yeah, but the Wolves don't have playoff experience. And Memphis, actually, this collection of, of Grizz don't have a ton themselves. I mean, Ja came into this playoffs with as many playoff games as Cat had. Five. Correct. So and people like kind of write the, the Houston series off like, well, that doesn't really count. Why not? It well, should. And it, well, and it counts as a it counts as the experience, though. Like, I don't care how bad that was. That was playoff experience. Hell yeah. My point being is I think some judgments can be made about players off of this series because it's not like you you were thrown in to play the 98 Lakers where you're just like, well, oh, okay, of course you lost that one. Like, you are going up against a team that you're very comparable to as far as experience goes, reference points go. And so what we're seeing to me and these fourth quarter collapses cannot be dismissed as, well, it's the Wolves. Give them a break. Yeah, no, I, I think, well, part of it is they need to go as a team here. They they still, they don't have, Memphis doesn't have experience, but now they're just Timberwolves. So the, the Wolves need to go through some of this stuff to figure out, okay, what happened? How do we not blow leads? How do we keep the ball moving? And so I, on one hand, I want to be empathetic to they do need to go through some of this, and this is great experience. But I'm also weighing what you just said on the other hand, which is how much of this is just great experience and you're going to come out on the other side versus, oh, no, this is kind of the the DNA of the team is to be bumbling idiots when they have well <laughs> you know double-digit leads in the fourth quarter. How do you parse the two apart, you know? And Ant screwed up, no, no question, but I think Ant will learn. D'Lo? I don't know. Like, I can't sit here and say, D'Lo is going to take, take this experience, yeah. and he's going to be great. I don't know that. And I and I have a, a ton of faith in it that the mistakes that he is actively making right now will improve him. Yeah. So there's the pie chart. 10%. Sorry, Ant. Love you, dude. But that was just a boneheaded defensive play at the end, trying to pick the pocket of John Morant on that inbound. 25% to D'Lo, 30% to giving Memphis extra chances, and 35% to fourth quarter incompetence. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. It's a good thing I was wearing a pair of Chill Boys last night during that fourth quarter because it kept me a little more cool, calm, and collected down there than maybe I would have otherwise felt. What's one word to describe how Chill Boys are making you feel in the wake of a Timberwolves blown double-digit fourth quarter lead? Anticipation. Yeah, anticipation. Mm-hmm. Anticipation? Because, yes, because... Tomorrow night at Surly, where we're going to be outside, I'm anticipating being very comfortable and warm with my Chill Boys Long Johns on. Yeah, me too. Me too. I got them ready to rock and roll. Gonna Might have to double up. I have right two here. pairs of Long Johns. I might, might put them both on. See what happens. Oh, you're going to double up? I don't know. I'm just I'm thinking about it. Well, that's a little much. It's not that much. <laughs> no. It's not well, going like, to be like below zero. It'd be like four <laughs> Chill Boys are a Minnesota-based company. It's the most comfortable underwear that we've ever put on as a show, collectively. And you can find them online at chillboys.com, where you can order a pair or 10 for yourself. Chillboys.com. Mm-hmm. Um, excuse me. Before we – so the reason I'm, like, a little phlegmy here is I sprinted three blocks with a 20-pound dog in my arms this morning. I'm, I want to tell you this story here. So. I'm sort of laughing about this now. It is top three most scared I've been in my life this morning. And Declan saw the post that my wife put out on social media. So, Judd, you have not heard this story yet. No. But, you know, the audience knows, for the most part, I live in the Pacific Northwest, make visits back to the Twin Cities. And so we live in the Seattle area. We live in a like a pretty urban neighborhood. It's a couple miles north of downtown Seattle. And um, it's an area where there are coyotes in and around. And, like, we actually saw a couple smaller coyotes in the neighborhood just kind of wandering around at night, like, a few months ago. But, you know, there's, like, coyote sightings and stuff. So we just got Maya. She's a she's a 18-pound Chihuahua Terrier mix. And we've, we adopted her from the Humane Society. We've had her for about a month now. And so we, in our neighborhood, we don't really have, like, we're working on this now, but 
we have a backyard area, but there's it's like mostly concrete. There's no it's like a concrete patio kind of. A, so when we take her out to go potty, we take her out like around the block to find little patchy areas of grass. So we get up pretty early. I tend to work on central time and my wife works on East Coast time still just based on the nature of our job. And so we're, we're up at like five o'clock in the morning. We're five a.m. club. And she and Maya usually sleeps through the night, but you know she's been getting us up around like four thirty sometimes. Which whatever it's you know for us we're getting up around that time. So this morning, and usually my wife takes her out the first time in the morning, and then I take her out like middle of the day, and then another time, and whatever. And this morning, because I'm going to be traveling back to the Twin Cities for the Surly Draft Party and stuff, I Maya kind of woke us up, and I said, "Hey, you stay in bed. I'll go. I'll go take her out this time." It's dark. It's 4.30 in the morning. There's not a whole lot happening. And so we walk outside on our normal route, and we go. The streets are all, they're all very much like slanted. You have to, it's like San Francisco sort of, not quite that aggressive, but like you're going up and down. So we go around outside, go down our normal route, halfway down the block, and we start going down the hill to the normal spot that we go to. And we're about to make the loop. There's a stairwell that goes down to sort of the bottom of the hill. I'm explaining this poorly, but. We're walking down the block, and there's a stairwell ahead that takes you kind of down to another level of the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. We had, we've seen a coyote there before, but it's been a few months. So we're like maybe 30 or 40 yards down the street now as we walk. And I happen to look over my shoulder, and I see a German shepherd-sized coyote mm-hmm. and its friend coming mm-hmm. up to the top of the steps. And, and walking out onto the sidewalk. And we're like 30 yards away. Now, Maya didn't see it because she was busy, like, sniffing around to go poop, pee, whatever. Right. My first thought was, oh, yeah, I mean, coyotes don't usually interact with people much. They'll, they'll see whatever. It's a little close for comfort, but, yeah. The, the other two times I've seen a coyote, they, they just kind of run away and go on their path. So uh, I, I said, Maya, let's go. Come on. Let's, let's keep walking. So we, we start walking. And I look behind, and one of the coyotes is following us. It just starts walking. And I'm like, okay. So now I, I pick Maya up because she's not super we, – we take her to group training classes next week, so she's not super trained on, like, you know, heel, come, stay, whatever. So I pick her up, right? and I walk to the other side of the street just to see, what if, if we go over here, what's going to happen? Coyote follows. So now I'm kind of freaking out because there's no one else around. It's dark. There's two of them. One of them right. is following. The other one is kind of staying back. And I'm, I'm just, you know, my, my pulse is just racing out of my neck. because I don't know how is this coyote just looking to attack the dog, which, by the way, they do. Like, they eat cats and they, they'll attack small mm-hmm. dogs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yes. Is it going to come at me? I don't know. So my, this, and this was probably the only dumb thing I did was I, I picked her up. And when I saw that it was following, I started running. I just ran a block wow. down the street. Mm. It started running after us. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. I'm getting chills telling the story right now. Yeah. I was like, my pulse was racing out of my neck. So we get to the end of this block. So now we've made, kind of going to draw it on the screen. So we, we you know, we, we kind of go down the block, and now we're going over. Yeah. So we're like halfway through our, our one block around path. Yep. And now I'm going to go back up the hill on the other side. But now I realize, okay, if I running is not running is the worst thing you can do because now they think I'm scared and now they're wondering why are you running, right? Right. So I turn around and I start backing up the hill, holding the dog, and just I just want to see what happens when I back away, right? And the coyote stopped running after us, but was walking at the same pace, thirty yards away, still coming at us as I was walking backward. And so I'm thinking, I can't. I'm too. I'm. I'm. I'm two blocks away from our front door. I can't just like run and get in the front door. Right. So there's no, and there's, I can't duck into a building. There's nothing like it's a residential area. So what do I do? I just started, I literally had her in my arm and I got an arm up in the air and I'm going, ah, ah, yeah, ah. that's what scares them. And yeah. I, and, and at first the coyote kind of flinched and started going the other way, but then stopped and started walking back at me. And I'm like, Jesus, dude. And the other, the other, the second coyote had gone somewhere else at this point, thankfully. Just took a powder. I guess. And so I kept doing it for like a couple minutes. And finally the coyote just like started walking back the other way. 
And then I just like, I grabbed Maya and just kind of power walked back up the hill and so back down pursu- the block and equip pursuing. Equip pursuing. And we find wow. we and then we finally just like and oh, I try to I try to put her like back down to like we got to finish the potty here like that's the goal of being out here and she was just like yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not gonna move it that way and you're lucky she didn't freak in your arms yeah yeah so that's but she that's, just, so we made she it just, back inside the house but when you were getting big and like trying to threaten the coyote what, what was she just looking like was she she barking? was just like she was just like kind of tucked in like a football she was just I yeah. think she was just it's a good I think dog. she was at first she could sense obviously that I was like there was in, fear. Yeah. Yeah. So I think she, and then she saw the cat. So I think she kind of knew, Oh, this is, this is a dangerous situation. Mm. And so now we've been just like trying to figure oh, out what do we, you know, how can we turn our little back, small little back patio area into like, is there like, you know, synthetic turf we can put down so that we don't have can't to you take carry that. spray. Yeah. I, I, so we, we did, we have bear spray and stuff, but it's, it's a freaking residential area. Yeah. And like, this right, but just in case, but I mean, just in case, Nick, you know, I yeah. mean, you don't want to, you don't want to have this again. Yeah. So it was legitimately top three most terrified I've been in my life. I bet going through that this morning. Oh, I don't know if anyone has any similar experiences. I was but. once on a, a walk, and I lived in a very I lived in the southeastern side of St. Paul Battle Creek neighborhood, kind of on the border of Maplewood Woodbury, and we lived in a very wooded area. So there was deer and turkeys and even coyotes. And I remember one time I was on a I was on a late night walk home from college during one summer and all of a sudden about 15 feet in front of me, just a, a this was a little coyote, maybe definitely not like a like a big, strong, but a little coyote and just kind of walk, like just walked across the street. But that mm-hmm. freaked me out enough to be like, well, I'm turning around and going back home right now, even though it's in a very residential safe area. And then another time. Um, there's a scenic outlook that takes a little bit of a path outside of my house. It overlooks St. Paul and Pig's Eye Lake on Highway 61. And all of a sudden, um, a pack of coyotes just started howling. I couldn't Dude. see them, but it, like, but it was like the legitimate, the timber wolves howl sound. And, like, and then all of them. And that caused me to run out of those woods as fast as I possibly could. Which is like... Also, dumb, the worst dumb. thing you can do too. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, dude, this Ugh. was and like the smaller ones. I don't know. You just yeah. Oh, I guess if if it came down to it, I could figure it out. But the one that was following us was not. It it was it. I don't know how to describe it other than like it was a full ass grown man coyote. It was right. It was wow. not just like a little dude. It was like think of the biggest german shepherds that you've seen that's yeah. that was what was staring at us from 30 feet away and following poor us Maya. for two blocks and stalking probably scared. us yeah, poor Maya. so now i got to i got to take her out again here in a little bit it's light outside so hopefully <laughs> yeah it's light out you you should be fine dusk is i think it starts at dusk right it yeah. goes through night where the, yeah. they're a problem yeah, yeah. where the uh, where the girlfriend lives in in Matamidi, they have like coyotes around there like actively and like if we put Vinny on the leash to go outside in the middle of the night, like we do have to go outside with them because we, mm-hmm. we can't see and there will be a coyote that can come through. So that, that's you get some here. Yeah. Yeah. It happens. Well, so anyways, I was, uh, I have, okay. I was wearing my Fitbit and I, my, my pulse was almost a hundred for an hour and a half after that happened. I was just, I, cause I laid back in bed for a little while and I was just like, Oh my God. And then thinking about, you know how to handle it going forward and whatever. And now you know how Greg Joseph felt when he trotted on the field in Arizona. <laughs> yeah. Just and oh we my all god. Oh my god. mocked him for missing that field goal. Hilarious. So all right, we're gonna take a, a quick pause here and get to some write that down predictions and an accountability session. Ow. Yeah, most sports talking heads make predictions, then hope you forget about how wrong they were. But not Mackie and Judd. Write this down. This is the big leagues, where we own our terrible predictions. Write that down. And keep track of each other's batting averages. It's Write That Down. Write it down. You like writing things down. With Mackie and Judd. Yep. We are the only show in America that has the cojones to put our reputations on the line every single week. That's right, the Sam Cassell Big Cojones Dance every Wednesday on Mackie and Judd and on Purple Daily. Here's how it works. Three predictions from everybody each week. They must be quantifiable. We keep track of batting averages and home runs. And listeners, if you want to participate, send us a message through the Score North app. Uh, Before we get into the accountability session, today's Write That Down session, and by the way, Mike is our guest listener predictor. 
Our uh, session today brought to you by our friends at Golf USA. Declan? Yeah, Golf USA in Eden Prairie is celebrating their 20th anniversary with a huge store-wide sale now through Saturday. It's the best deals all under one roof on over 10,000 items, new and used. You need a new bag? They got it. You need new grip installations? They have it. And a huge selection of clothing and shoes with some of the best savings you will see all year. I just like to look good when I golf. I, the, the game will eventually come around, like maybe five yeah. to ten years from now. Maybe. Maybe. But I will <laughs> look right. good doing it, and my friends at Golf USA are helping me out. Go see them this weekend. They're on the corner of Prairie Center and Flying Cloud Drive, Golf USA. All right, boys, let's get into it Write here. Write it down. You like writing things down. The accountability session where all of our truths come to the surface. Reality slaps us in the face. Kind of like it did for Judd here. Judd, not, not a bad week. You had two things come off the board. A little split here for you. You said Cat will score 20 or more points in each of the Timberwolves playoff games. Was that that much to ask? Like, really? Was <laughs> yeah. that that much? Yeah. Like, am I? was I going out on a limb by asking the star player of the Wolves to score 20 or more points? Well, I mean, if there... It would be one thing if there was, you know, if he was having a great series and in one of the games he scored 18 and grabbed 18 rebounds or something. But, yeah, he disappeared a couple times. You did correctly say, however, the Wolves and Grizzlies would go at least six games. Very nice. So nice job there. Thank you. All right, I had three things come off the board. I said Byron Buxton will hit a home run in his first game back from injury. He didn't, but then he hit like three in the next two games. So (laughs) my radar was honed. but Your intentions were good. I said the Wolves would win game three and D'Lo would score at least 25 points in that game. Let me tell you a little story about a bad beat here. So the Timberwolves had a 25 point, a 26 point leading game three and D'Lo had 22 points going into the fourth quarter and did not score and they lost. Join the club. Rough. But uh, I, I did say going into game five before the series, the Wolves would either be tied or leading the series, and they were tied going into game five. So, so there you have it. Nice. All right, the listeners had a nice little week here. Reed, we'll start with the bad. Reed said the Wild will win the division and make it past the first round of the playoffs. They are not going to win their division, right? They, Correct. They Correct. cannot match that but Sampson came back in here swinging this. for the fences. He said Anthony Edwards will lead the Timberwolves before the season. He will lead the Timberwolves to, to more playoff wins this season than Jimmy Butler ever did. So two playoff wins or more. And they did. They did. Mm-hmm. little home run there for Sampson. And Drew P. said before the season, actually he said this I think two years ago, because he said in the next full NHL season. I remember this, yeah. Cap- Kaprizov and Fiala will combine for 50 or more goals, and they have a lot more than that. Very I mean, nice. hell, Kaprizov might get 50 on yeah. his own without Fiala. Fiala's got, what, 33? Uh-huh. Something like that. Order Kaprizov, back to Fiala. Back to Kaprizov. Uh, never never oh, fails to get a chuckle. Oh. <laughs> All right, Declan. Nice week for Declan ultimately here. We'll start with the bad. You said Wolves will win at least one of the next two games Against Memphis by 10 points or more. And uh, well, that did not happen. Yeah, bad. Talking about bad beats. Game three. Yeah, that was on yeah. track to crush. You said the Wolves will not lose another game against Memphis. Wolves in four. Wolves in seven. And you said Cat will score at least 50 points combined in the first two games of the series. He had a terrible game two and did not happen. But I think both these are home runs. You said the Wild will host the Blues in the first round of the playoffs, and you said that almost three months ago on February 9th. I think, I think pinpointing it on February 9th is home run worthy here, Judd. Yeah, I think I think that's fine. I'm trying to remember what the the situation was, but that's all. Yeah, that's quite a, a while change. ago. And they went I would say out. a home run. And I they, would say a They were swooning yeah. in February. Like yeah, They were, they were swooning. Fair. Yeah. It's borderline probably, but it it's fair. Mauer the next Pot. one. Mauer Pot. I think this is a home run. I think this is a home run because unless unless you're fighting me on this, you said Kevin no. Fiala and Kirill Kaprizov will each score at least 30 goals. I mean, Fiala had never scored that's 30 a in a season. So, yeah. Yeah. That's more, in my opinion, a, a home run than the first home run. Okay. 
So there you have it. Nice job, Declan, with a couple couple bombs. So he is just dominating right that down this year. 480 batting Mm. average and seven bombs. Dialed. Judd's at 326 with three bombs. I'm at 358 with three bombs. And listeners are at 333 with six home runs. So the listeners are having a nice little season as well. How about This is fun. Dude. This Dial. is good. Now, now, don't forget, Dex, though, the, the Zolgad swoon of last year, which mm. is coming for you. Interesting. When it gets rocky. See, this is the thing. I'm the Grizzlies. I'm not perfect, but I'm damn tough, and I fight back. <laughs> so all-time Judd has 220 hits career since 2018, which is when we started keeping track of stats officially. And listeners have 25 home runs, which is by far and away the lead over the 18 home runs that Judd and I swinging from the heels, man. Have. So there you go. Point. Yeah. All right. Let's bring him in here. Representing the guest listener prediction pool. Mike is our guest listener predictor. Mike, Mike, Mike. Hello. Today. Mike, what's going on? man? This is your first time stepping up to the plate in the big leagues of write that down. How do you feel right now? Very calm. <laughs> Hopefully more calm than the Timberwolves felt last night as they were blowing. Clear the, double the mechanism, Mike. <laughs> Clear the mechanism. <laughs> so, all right, Mike. my favorite movies, Judd. Is it really, dude? Uh, underrated the, uh, sports movie. film. Uh, little do you know that that was for love of the game. Yep. Um, and little do you know that uh, I I do some music composing and arranging, and I arranged the the main theme for that film as the processional for my wedding sixteen years ago. Wow, wow dude, that's dude. awesome! That's incredible. Who uh, who knew that a simple flippant statement by me would lead to a great story? It's a great movie. It is. It's a little bit more of like a like a romantic movie than it is a sports movie. I think some people it's, it's would a modern version. It's a more modern version than Natural. It's the same kind of movie yeah. as the Natural yes. was. It's, it's a baseball movie that's not in the first place about baseball. Yeah, no, that's makes it so that's great. Fair. Yep. I love it. For love of the game doesn't get enough respect, man. I'm glad that Mike is in tune with one of the Bull most Durham underrated guys. sports movies. Costner's best, though. Bull Durham. That's pretty good. Such no. a good movie. That's pretty good. He wasn't love clearing Bull the mechanism, Durham. though, in Bull Durham. <laughs> so, okay. all right, Mike. So you're going you're gonna to lead us off here, and we're going to go around the room three times, so to speak. The predictions must be quantifiable. That's pretty much the only Write this down. real rule here. So uh, why don't you start us off with your first prediction? Okay, well, I'll preface this by saying that I'm a huge Timberwolves fan and season ticket holder, and, and I could not bring myself to write down any predictions about the Timberwolves. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, anything could happen. It's so uncertain. So I'll, 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 I'll preface that with, a, with an apology that there are no Timberwolves predictions in here. But I have a short-term, a medium-term, and a long-term prediction. The short-term prediction is that the Vikings will draft a safety with their first pick in the 2022 NFL draft. Okay. Ooh. So off the record, Ky- you think Kyle Hamilton might fall into their laps? Or they trade down for the second safety. Like when that first pick happens, I'm not making any prediction on it, right? But I'm just saying right. their first pick will be a safety. Okay. Or, you know, they trade their first and second round picks for Debo Samuel, and then their, thir- their third round pick is a safety. You would still win. Right. Just going to float that out there. Mike is playing the game. No speculation. <laughs> Yep. All right. Over to Judd, your first prediction. All right. My first prediction, the Miami Heat will part company with Jimmy Butler this offseason. Really? What's his contract situation? I don't know, but the whole thing was Spolstra. His act wears thin. He didn't play last night. He just, I mean, it was hurt last night. The playoffs, man. He's Suck faking? it up and play. Oh, wow. he just, he just, no, he's just a he's just a gong show. He's a great <laughs> player, but he's a gong show. And and I think he is the definition of a shelf life player. And so I I think when you basically challenge the coach to a fight, your the clock is ticking because Bolster's damn good. Like he's not a slappy. So Jimmy Butler will be will be moved. Part company is the term I'm going to use for how it's going to happen. His hey, would you rather have? His Go max ahead, starts next season. Like he just signed a new max. Okay. I just think he's a. So this this would be a home run if it yeah this would be a home run. Yeah. I think despite run. the conflict, I think the Heat kind of love conflict. Yeah. So, but would you rather have D'Lo and Pat Beverly or Jimmy Butler? Jimmy Butler. Oh, I know how I'd things. Re- Jimmy Butler. I know how things. I'd rather have Butler between for, Butler and Cat, but I'd rather have Butler for a year. But after that. Like I mean, I'm I'm have said this for a long time. He the dude has psychological problems. 
Pat Bev is crazy, but I don't know that he is wired completely wrong. I think Jimmy's a sociopath. And D'Lo is... I'm fine with that. He's got no pulse, but he doesn't threaten you. <laughs> well, I would like if he threatened to make a shot in the fourth quarter yeah. once in a right while. Right there. No, just don't take the shot last Eight night. A week. Just no. don't take that stupid shot. Maybe he could threaten to find the open man, and that mm-hmm. guy could shoot. All right, Declan, your first prediction. All right, a couple wild predictions for me, because uh, by the time we do next week's Write That Down, they'll at least have probably played one playoff game. We'll playoffs start next Monday, so we'll get that schedule here pretty soon. So write this down. The Wild are notoriously uh, a, a very slow starting playoff team. I think they've only won the first game of a playoff series three times, like in their entire franchise history. They are horrible in game one. But write this oh, down. The Wild will win game one of their playoff series against the Blues. Okay. Why people are going to be fired up if that happens. All right. Do you think winning game one is almost essential to beating that team? Depends can you can you beat that is. team four times in six games? I think you know? so. It depends where the series is. If the okay. series is, is in is in St. Louis, which it might be, you've got to get one of those first two, I think. Yeah. Okay. Write this down. All right, write this down. We will have a game seven in the Wolves Memphis series. All right. We will have a game seven. I am I am not I don't think the Wolves are gonna just concede game six at home. I think the crowd's gonna be ridiculous. And they just need to not blow these leads. Mike's like, I can't take that. My heart can't take that. <laughs> I'm with Mike. <laughs> All right. Well, down. back to Mike, your second prediction. So this is my medium-term prediction. Um, I, have two, I have two operating theories about Minnesota sports after 46 years in this state. Um, one is that at any given time, no more than one Minnesota team can be reasonably doing well at any time, which we, by the way, <laughs> saw play out again yesterday. Right. After it seemed like everything was going well for everybody, then you have two just absolute bomb performances and a rando twins win. Right. Yep. Um, But my other is that for the last, I don't know how many years, every time we've entered the twin season, everything the twins think is in place and going to go right that year goes horribly wrong. And everything they think is really bad somehow does well. So this year we entered the twin season. What did we think was the, was the bad element of, of the twins starting pitching? Mm-hmm. Right. And we thought, Oh, lineup's going to, Oh my gosh, we added Correa lineup's going to be good. And the bullpen should be, you know, reasonable. Right. And so what's going on? The, the lineup is trash. The bullpen is iffy, especially with a couple of guys and the starting pitching is somehow amazing. Right. So my medium term prediction is that by the trade deadline, the Twins will still have a top 15 starting rotation, but a bottom 15 hitting lineup and a bottom 15 bullpen. So can we, for measurement, can we go OPS for lineup and ERA for pitching? Or is there a different, is there a different well, measurement? Fine. Yeah, that's fine. Yep. So we'll go OPS for uh, on-base plus slugging for the offense and then ERA for the pitching decks. Okay. I like it. No, it's true. It's, we are, we're not even asking for that much. Just a championship for one of the men's teams for the first time in, you know, 31 years. It's a long time. Right this it's down. long time to go. Uh, Judd, your second prediction. All right. National Hockey League a prediction for carnage shortly after the season. The Dallas Stars, Detroit Red Wings, and New Jersey Devils will all make coaching changes before next season. Okay. So, Dex, Dallas, mm-hmm. Detroit, New Jersey. Will all make coaching changes before just to be safe and cover myself next season? Okay, and then it's, is it? This is a parlay. Is it a home run? It's a three-item parlay. Three parlay. But they're all pretty bad teams, yeah, pretty underachieving teams. It's, it's, I, I think I'm predicting three though. Yeah. I'm saying all three. Yeah, okay. I think it's a home run. Yeah. It's a, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll take it. Right this Come on. down. We'll take it, Declan. Give me your that. second prediction. All right, another uh, wild, wild prediction. I will say uh-huh. this. The Wild won't lose a game on a home ice to the Blues in this playoff series. The Wild will not lose a game on home ice at the Excel Energy Center to the Blues this series. So if they can pass the Blues in the standings, then they win the series. Correct. Or they need to steal one. And, on and regardless, stage. if they you know if they are the road team, game, that's game fine. Game seven minimum. They're not going to lose a home game to the Blues. I like it. Judge, you're shaking your head. Yeah, I, I feel he tempted fate. I feel he tempted fate. I feel like like this is like Wolves and Four. I feel like you're tempting fate. You are looking at the hockey I, gods and 
and sticking your tongue out, and they are. This going is to the bite us. greatest wild season of all time, and you are literally dancing on thin ice. You're, yes, you're, I am. You're, you're, you're scared yes, to go out on the pond, even though this is the you had the best. Because you know why? Because I don't had. like this. Don't tempt fate, Dex. Okay, you'll learn. All right. Don't tempt fate. All right. Write this down. <laughs> all right. Um, write this down. I'm going to go back to the Byron Buxton well here. Byron Buxton, between now and next week's Write That Down, will have at least one more home run in the seventh <laughs> inning or later. Okay. He will have another some seventh inning or later. I think this is a home run prediction because I'm giving you a specific innings range here. Yeah. He will have another home run in the seventh inning or later between now and next week's Write That Down. Write this down. All right. Back to Mike, your third and final prediction, your long-term prediction here. Yeah. Okay. Matt Carell previously of Ole Miss, will go on to have the most successful NFL career of any quarterback in the 2022 NFL draft. Okay. All right, how do we – well, that's a long-term one. That's like a 10-year like mm-hmm. one. We have, we have a couple 10-year ones out there. You guys better keep the show going. I mean, we have years. <laughs> to I was going to say, I don't like my odds personally, Mike, but I won't <laughs> speak for my two co-hosts. Well, even if, even if the show isn't going on, we'll still have the Write That Down database. We can still put the – we can still do weekly check-ins on social Mike media. Mike was right back in 2022. <laughs> yeah. Give yeah. him the point. <laughs> so, so what? how are we – so yeah. you say like like – Total wins? Is it is it passer rating? How would you want to quantify that? QBR definitely not wins. That's terrible okay. quarterback stat. Um, uh, passer rating doesn't take into account longevity and number of games played, which is a yep. problem. Yep. Um, so how if we? How about if we do? Uh, number of games played times passer rating. Do you see what I'm saying? Because I'm like the I'm the I'm the meme future. on the internet looking yeah. at numbers I, in the air right the now. You know what? <laughs> I'm going to duck out of this part of the cut. What if we did touch? What if we myself. just did touchdown passes? That could work. <laughs> I love this. Well, I mean, you're only going to get the passes if you play. And the, yeah. and the more you play and the longer you play, you're going to accumulate more. T- I can go yep. for that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Touchdown passes. I love the, the, so, the negotiation so Matt here. Matt will have more touchdown passes in his career than any other quarterback coming out of the 2022 draft. I like it. I love it. Now let's awesome divide that here. by games played. Yeah. <laughs> multiply that by the square root of Kirk Cousins' number. We should come up. We have, we should come up with some sort of formula. Mm-hmm. But Mike, awesome predictions. I love the the short, midterm, and long term. Uh, since you've got this life changing platform here on Mackie and Jez, is there anyone in your life you'd like to thank that brought you to this moment? Boy, um, I mean, my life is my wife and kids. So love it. And uh, 26 years of um, working with students is a, is a joy every day. Um, but I got to go back to I got to go all the way back to my parents because I've grown up as a Minnesota sports fan because <laughs> they grew me up in Minnesota, you know, and uh, all of the, all of the history going all the way back to the, I think my first Negative Minnesota sports memory. We all have them, don't we? Was yep. 1987 Darren Nelson dropping the pass, Oof. going into the end zone. Remember that, Judd? Wade Wilson, Washington. Yes, they would have gone to the Super Bowl. Of course I do. That was my first one. That was your but, first one. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, um, Timberwolves going back to 89, you know, that's for watching games in the Metrodome, so – I think, you know, I'm still thankful to be a Minnesota sports fan and having grown up here, experienced it all. Yeah, awesome, Mike. Nice work. Awesome. Thanks for coming on the show today. Great. We'll do it again sometime, all right? Yeah. There it is. All right, guest, listener, predictor, Mike. Judd, let's wrap it up here. Your third All right. My final write that down is a certain home run if it's right because it is this. Byron Buxton will hit a home run in the All-Star game. Byron Buxton will have a home run in the All-Star game. And yes, 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 I'm putting it, I'm to be very clear, that is the 2022 All-Star game, which I believe is in Dodger Stadium, if I'm not mistaken. Ooh, 
that's a great place for Buck to go to go Hollywood, to go yard in the backyard of Hollywood. Yeah, like and it. then for his contract to, to be discussed in depth because it's <laughs> so hold reasonable. Out. He's going to hold out. It's so reasonable. Yeah. All right, Declan. Write it down. You like writing things right. down. Final prediction from me. Uh, a little AEW prediction, Phil. A little AEW prediction from, from me here. Uh, one of my favorites, the DMD, Britt Baker. Okay. So she dropped the women's title to Thunder Rosa uh, in, in a steel cage a few months ago after like almost a full year reign. She was she had the reign of the women's title. But I'll say this: the Owen Hart Memorial Tournament's going on right now in AEW for the men's and the women's side, and Britt Baker qualified for that. And I believe the winner of those tournaments get become the number one contender for the respective men and women's titles in AEW. So I will say this: write this down. Britt Baker will win the women's Owen Hart Memorial Tournament in AEW. Okay. There is a little, little AEW take. Write it down. You like writing Judd, what do you think? Down? Think Britt Baker's it. got I think it? It's exactly right. Oh, yeah. I've been a Britt fan from way back. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Big Steelers way fan. back. Yeah. Way, way. Jeb was a fan of her dentist work before she yeah. got into wrestling, quite yeah. frankly. Yeah. So, yeah. You were a fan before yeah, she became popular. That. Yep. No question about that. All right. Great dentist. Write this down. It's a final Wolves prediction here. I think Anthony Edwards, even though he's not the type of guy to you know have his career train wrecked by a bad defensive play, I think he's going to flush it. But I think he's going to harness the feeling that he blew that game for the Timberwolves by trying to steal that inbounds pass. And he's going to make up for it in game six by dropping at least 30 points. So write this down. Anthony Edwards will drop at least 30 points in game six. Okay. Is that a home run if it happens? I mean, he... He averages like 22. I think it's a home run if he scores 30. It's not likely that he's going to score 30, but you guys tell me. Yeah. I'm fine with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Another Mauer pot shot. Yeah, yeah, I think think it's a home run. First row in the – I'm fine with that. No, it's fine. I had one. I've had a few. I'm off to a – It's like that trout home run. Check swing from a couple <laughs> yeah. nights back. You check your swing, but you're so strong, the ball just goes out of the ball. That's me. Exactly. Yeah. Write it down. You like writing things down. So there it is. Write that down in an accountability session, the most revolutionary, innovative segment in all of sports media. Right Our bosses. Nike and Judd. Tell us. Stop doing that. Yeah, like, you guys we are... might have to fire you. And we're like, we we basically give them the Carl Anthony Towns shush <laughs> just shush shush we're still doing it might want to wait next time cat all right thanks <laughs> for hanging with us we'll see you guys tomorrow night at surly brewing company for the surly purple daily draft party too. be there